Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. San Francisco voters have a choice before them to recall or not to recall three San Francisco Board of Education commissioners. And whether you've got kids in San Francisco public schools or not, if you're a registered San Francisco voter, you have a say. You have a a local school board election, the thing that's usually at the very bottom of our ballot. All of a sudden, it's the A card. Today, we're going to break down for you what this recall is all about who's behind it, and what it all says about this moment for San Francisco schools. So the Board of Education uh, in San Francisco and elsewhere, it makes policy decisions for K-12 schools. Guy Marzarati is a politics and government reporter for KQED. I spoke with him and education reporter Vanessa Roncano about the recall. So that's balancing the budget, approving curriculum, uh, appointing a superintendent to kind of manage the day-to-day affairs of the district. It's definitely an overlooked position. You know, every election, there's hundreds of thousands of voters who leave this part of the ballot blank or don't choose three board members. Um, And unlike a lot of other elected officials, school board members have day jobs. They get just a few hundred dollars a month and they kind of do their school board work on top of everything else. Who and what are on the ballot right now? Like literally what does your a ballot look like? Right. So this is actually three separate recall elections on the ballot. And since recalls are technically treated like ballot measures, the actual ballot that you'll see in San Francisco lists Measure A, which is the recall of Allison Collins, Measure B, which is the recall of Gabriela Lopez, and Measure C, which is the recall of Fonga Malinga. Vanessa Roncano, a KQD education reporter, I want to bring you in here. Who exactly are these people? The three commissioners are Gabriela Lopez. She's the board president. In my work as an educator, um, engagement is, is really important for me, helping students be creative. She's from L.A. Her parents immigrated from Mexico. She's the first person in her family to go to college. She taught fourth and fifth grade Spanish immersion in the Mission District in San Francisco. And she was super young when she got elected. She was 28 uh, when she was elected in 2018. And she told me one of the reasons that she ran was because she really wanted to ensure that teachers had a voice on the school board. It was important for many of us to be able to see ourselves in this space. 
Allison Collins has worked in education for a long time. Um, she's done a lot of different jobs, a lot of like curriculum development work, educator training. I always defer to the folks that are on the ground and then are doing the work. In SFUSD, she was a teacher. She also coached teachers and administrators around improving instruction for underserved students. She's a parent of twins in SFUSD, and she has done a lot of education advocacy work as a parent here. One of the things she said about why she values public education so much is that she credits it for helping to get her mother out of poverty and allowing her dad to become one of the first black professors at UCLA. Like I said, I, I lead with my heart and I also, I'm very principle focused. Faunga Molinga grew up in San Francisco. He went through SFUSD schools. You know, how do we, as a school district, acknowledge and capture all of our all of the races that exist in our school district. His background is in social work. He's done work closing achievement gaps, um, specifically for Pacific Islander students who have some of the worst academic outcomes in the district. He himself is Pacific Islander. And he was appointed to the board by Mayor London Breed in 2018 to fill an empty seat. Um, and then he was elected a few weeks later. The other pieces that I'm really, you know, happy about, and I've done a lot of work around this, is, um, you know, the educator housing stuff that we did. So prior to the pandemic, educator housing is the number one issue. Okay. So those are the three people on the ballot. Um, Vanessa, I know there's been a long list of events kind of leading up to the recall effort that really go back years. Can you remind us what are some of the most important ones that explain how we got here? Crucially, I think it's the pandemic and the school reopening saga. There was all this anger and desperation that so many parents felt around trying to manage distance learning and watching their kids suffer academically and, and emotionally. And I think, you know, they were watching some other big districts like New York and Chicago reopen and SFUSD was still pretty far from reopening at the time. Beyond that, there are controversies dating back like three years that garnered a lot of attention. Back in 2019, this controversy began over whether or not to cover a mural at Washington High School. The fresco has been criticized by an ad hoc committee of students and others who say it, quote, glorifies slavery, genocide, colonization, manifest destiny, white supremacy, and oppression. A meeting on the topic devolved into a screaming match. There was a school renaming controversy that dates back to 2018, but it, it really blew up during the pandemic. With critics saying the board should have been focused on school reopenings and not school renaming. There was the decision to change the admissions policy at Lowell High School. This is a famously elite high school that used a merit-based admission system, and the board decided to do away with that and revert to lottery-based admissions like the rest of the district's comprehensive high schools. This is the cream of the crop. These are students who cannot afford a private school education, but they have worked really hard in order to earn their spots here. Then there were 
Alison Collins tweets. During the pandemic, some 2016 tweets were resurfaced. They were considered by many to be anti-Asian. This comes after a 2016 Twitter thread from Collins accusing Asian Americans of using white supremacy to get ahead. And there was a huge backlash. Collins was ultimately stripped of the vice presidency by her fellow board members. She subsequently sued the school district and many of her fellow board members. And a judge eventually dismissed the suit. I'm wondering, Guy, if there's one thing that pushed this over into a recall. No, you know, I think this is really the confluence of a lot of events. And I think Vanessa did a great job summing up just how far back some of these go. I would add, you know, with the fact that statewide, maybe even nationwide, we are in a season of recalls, right? Governor, district attorney, school boards. If you go on Ballotpedia's like 2021 list of recall attempts in California, it's a mile long. It looks like one of those that list at the beginning of Star Wars movies where it's just the words going <laughs> down the screen. So this is this is happening all across the state. And I think you've seen groups of citizens who are angry with government. They're increasingly turning to recalls. And, you know, in SF, you have these issues, low emissions, the budget that are going back years, decades. So there's, you know, a hardcore group of people who follow this that feel very passionately and then things like school reopening, renaming, which I think caused a lot of anger or debate amongst people who might not have followed the school board at all up to mm. that time. Then you layer on top of that the Allison Collins uh, derogatory tweets. That brought a whole nother group of people who had not been on the recall train before that, you know, suddenly calling just for, you know, Collins to maybe step aside or be removed. I want to talk a little bit more about the Yes on Recall campaign and what exactly the founders of it say it's about. Guy, as we mentioned, there are a lot of things that people in favor of the recall are really upset about. But what is the argument people who are for the recall are making? Is this about any one of those specific things? Or is there kind of a through line that they're trying to put out there to voters? I think as far as a through line, what I've heard most from supporters of this recall about the board as a whole is really competence. They certainly apply that frame to reopening, you know, why couldn't this district open schools up earlier last year? But I think also to issues that maybe board members themselves champion. Recall backers will say, look, if you agree with renaming schools the way this board did it was an ahistorical approach. If you agree with changing Lowell's admissions policy, when this board tried to do that, they broke the law. They, you know, violated the Brown Act of when you have to put an item on the agenda to give the public a heads up it's happening. I think the competence argument is probably the most common through line you'll hear from the yes on recall campaign. And they're emphasizing this because these board members would be up for election potentially in November. And so they're making this argument that you can't even trust these members to do their job for another few months until they'd be back on the ballot. Vanessa, I, I know you interviewed two of the founders of the recall campaign. Who are they and what have they said about the recall? Autumn Luyan and Shivaraj are a couple. Yeah, that's right. We are partners. The origin of this effort for them, they told me, is really the contrast they saw between two other school districts that their kids were attending and San Francisco's. So Luyan's kids go to school in Los Altos. It's a very affluent area. 
Raja's kids were in school in Pleasanton until he moved to San Francisco in late 2020. In the Los Altos School District, they put reopening as the first and only item on every single meeting. The two of them described these school board meetings in those districts that they felt really prioritized reopening. They felt like these boards were really listening to parents, valued their opinions, and wanted to work with them to reopen schools. They, parents would call in um, to talk about what they needed, and they would listen to parents until 2 a.m. if that was what was necessary. Luyan's kids got to go back pretty early. I think she said October of 2020, and she saw this huge like improvement in their emotional state. So it was clear to them that this was incredibly important that kids go back to school, and they felt like board members here were just approaching it really differently. And in San Francisco, it seemed like the opposite. They had built up this wall of indifference around themselves, where they refused to listen to anyone calling in with legitimate concerns. The recall founders have said that they would be recalling all seven board members if they could, but only these three had served long enough to be recalled when this effort started. The other four hadn't been on the board for a year at that point. But for them, there was this very sort of visceral, emotional reaction around feeling ignored and let down by by folks they felt were supposed to be supporting them in a time of great need. They called it a crisis of leadership. We're saying, we were in crisis and you abandoned our children. You abandoned all of our children. We were in crisis and you didn't listen. We were in crisis and you left the most vulnerable kids behind. I mean, Guy, who else is behind this recall? Like, who else has come out in favor of it? Well, we've seen a really strange alliance of politicians uh, get behind this recall campaign. You see, you know, pro-recall campaign uh, mailers with Mayor London Breed, State Senator Scott Weiner, and right below them, uh, former Mayor Art Agnos, former Supervisor Matt Gonzalez, both progressives, folks you would never kind of see uh, usually on the same side of an issue. Uh, there's also been a lot of local Democratic clubs who have supported the recalls, although quite a few have split and are not supporting the recall, specifically Afonga Malinga. So that's on the endorsement side. But Erica, we have to talk about the money in this race because it's crazy. There's $1.8 million have been raised in support of the recall. Wow. You go back and add up how much every candidate who ran for school board in San Francisco in 2016, 2018, 2020, all of that combined is less than just what this pro-recall has raised. I mean, I'll, I'll say it again for effect. <laughs> They've raised more money for this than 40 campaigns for school board have raised over the last six years. Vanessa and I have looked into who's donating and largely for, the, for a long stretch of this campaign, it was these really wealthy folks in venture capital who are donating. They've been joined by some more traditional political players, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, realtors, people who, you know, groups that usually get involved in moderate politics in the city, not the type to typically get involved in, in school board elections, are now giving heavily to the pro-recall campaign. I think fundamentally what this means for SF voters is they're way more likely to be exposed to pro-recall messages than anti-recall messages as this, you know, as we get closer and closer to the end of voting. 
Coming up, the case against the recall campaign and why these three board members believe they should keep their jobs. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Okay, guys, so the Yes on the Recall campaign says that all these controversies at San Francisco Unified, whether it's Lowell emissions or school reopening, are about competence. Let's turn to the No campaign now. What arguments are they making? So one of the biggest arguments you hear from the No campaign is, number one, there is a regularly scheduled election coming up in November for these very seats. You know, it's only a few more months that, that you know, Lopez, Collins, and Molinga would be in office until they'd have to go before voters and possibly in a larger list of candidates. There's a lot of fear that this recall is one step towards a mayoral uh, takeover of schools. You know, if any of these three board members are recalled, it'd be Mayor London Breed who would ultimately choose their replacement. And I think unlike in the, the recall election that we had of Governor Gavin Newsom, where it really did become a choice, right? You were voting yes or no on the recall of Newsom, but you also got to see, okay, if he is recalled, who's going to become governor? Voters don't have that option this time around. It really is a mystery if any of these board members are removed, who is going to replace them? And voters will not have a say in that. So I think that's a, a big point on the no side is that, that you're really taking a choice in some ways away from voters. And Vanessa, I know that you actually interviewed all three of the members who were on the ballot, Gabriela Lopez, Allison Collins, and Fauga Malinga. What have they said in their defense? I mean, I would say all three of them really emphasize that their policymaking is driven by community needs. And specifically, they're trying to uplift the needs of historically underserved communities, they say. Collins and Lopez defended the board's 
track record? In my role as a commissioner, there has never been an instance, there's never been a vote that I regretted. Lopez really expressed some frustration that she felt like some of these recall supporters really weren't aware of those conditions and were speaking from a place of privilege. You know, I heard stories of families who for the eight months didn't leave their homes. And this idea of trying to force us to come back when people weren't ready, when the city wasn't ready, when the country wasn't ready, um, is something I, I cannot, I would not be able to stand by. In terms of the sort of broader political context, they see this as part of a sort of nationwide conservative-led effort to to attack school boards and rile voters up and um, use them. This is really part of a larger issue on um, trying to take over school districts and school boards across that we're seeing across the country. You know, I asked the three of them whether they thought voters should draw distinctions between them or sort of consider the board as a whole. I think we all, I mean, we are all representing constituencies that have been underrepresented. We all come from community. Collins and Lopez both said that they wanted voters to look at the board as a whole. They said they knew the recall supporters would recall the whole board if they could. I'm really proud of our board and I'm really proud of the work that we are doing because and, and, and that expertise and that direct experience, I think, informs um, the work that we've been doing. And it's allowed us to really bridge some of these gaps. Molinga, on the other hand, one said that voters should consider the commissioners separately and two really distanced himself from Collins and Lopez even when he had, in fact, worked on a resolution with one or both of them, right? I, you know, personally feel like, you know, if we're going to be recalled on our own individual merits, then I would, I would like to be, you know, viewed and looked at and valid in those ways. He struck a more apologetic or sort of conciliatory tone in terms of reopening and any mistakes that recall supporters feel the board had made. I know things weren't perfect. Families felt, you know, unseen during that time. Um, we could have done better. And also, uh, I apologize if that was how, how people felt you know, during that time. It's interesting um, that Lopez and Collins are, are making an effort to really credit the people who voted alongside them on the issue of school reopening and Guy do you think it's fair to say that Malinga is trying to distance himself from the two other board members to save his job? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If there's been any kind of theme to the campaign he's running is, you know, judge me on my own. His tone is just different than Lopez and Collins. And I think he's trying to make the case that, you know, maybe he wasn't in lockstep with them, even if the votes say otherwise. Vanessa... There seems to be a lot of powerful groups who have come out in favor of the recall. Who has come out in support of the school board members? Well, the Teachers Union, United Educators of San Francisco, formally p opposes the recall. In terms of political groups, SF Bernie Kratz, there is a no school board recall campaign that's 
teachers, parents, community members that's raising some money, but I think it's really a drop in the bucket compared to what the pro recall folks have raised. Oh, yeah. It's like $1.8 million to 30 something thousand dollars. I think it's clear based on how much is being raised, who's able to get their message out more effectively. Guy, it seems like the no on recall campaign believes that this whole thing is essentially a distraction and that it's not really about competence. Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the slogan that the no campaign has used is resources, not recalls. I think they would argue if people all of a sudden really care so much about our local school district, our school board, you know, they should turn their attention to getting schools more resources and not necessarily putting their effort into getting a recall on the ballot. The school district is not paying for this entire election, but opponents of the recall say, look, this is still money that maybe could be used better than removing these three board members from their jobs. Okay, there are a lot of strong feelings in this election and a lot of things for voters to really consider. And I also now want to talk about what this all means, because Guy, even though this is a local school board election, which lots of people don't usually really pay attention to, this has gotten a lot of attention, including nationally. Why do you think this recall has become such a big deal? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, this board got a lot of attention before the recall started going. I think San Francisco became kind of a poster child during, you know, COVID and education and COVID and and school reopening debates. The city also clearly has an outsized role in American politics. And this is, you know, for all the recall attempts I talked about, getting a recall on the ballot is still relatively rare. This is the first one in San Francisco since the 80s. Then I also think you have to keep in mind on the right you have groups nationally that are targeting school boards across the country as a way to build grassroots political power. And so you can be sure that those types of groups are going to be really interested in how does this recall in San Francisco turn out? I think you put that all together and yeah, you have a, a local school board election, the thing that's usually at the very bottom of our ballot. All of a sudden, it's the A card. Yeah. And I would just add that What we're seeing in San Francisco is not a debate about critical race theory per se or a debate about masking per se the way we see in so many other districts, but I think it's fair to say that there is a relationship there between critical race theory and controversies about opening admissions at an elite high school, about renaming our public schools, about covering or not covering a mural that depicts Native Americans being murdered. These are culture wars issues. This is about race, and it's about power. It's about how we teach our history. And again, it's not We're not talking about whether to mask or not mask in schools, but a lot of this does have to do with COVID school policies, right? And a fight over how schools should be functioning in the midst of this unprecedented pandemic. What does this all say about the state of schools in San Francisco right now? I mean, 
in the end, this is about providing students with a good education. And it seems like whether you're for or against the recall, nobody seems happy. Well, let me give you an example. A few weeks ago, I went to a couple schools in the Bayview and the Mission to try to talk to parents and teachers about the recall because I felt like I really wasn't hearing those voices. And I can tell you that this is not on people's minds. One of the teachers I talked to didn't even live in the city. He lives in Oakland because he can't afford to live in the city. For other teachers, it just wasn't on their radar. They were really overwhelmed just trying to manage school during the pandemic. All these behavioral issues that are coming up, just the logistics, all the protocols around managing COVID. And the parents I tried to talk to had more pressing stuff to deal with. Like this dad was on his way to a job interview. He didn't have any time to talk to me. A couple of moms I talked to were really worried about the bullying that their sons were dealing with. These are the parents, these are the teachers who work with the kids that everybody claims that they are advocating for. I mean, these are schools where academic outcomes are quite bad. These are schools with predominantly black and brown students, a lot of English learners, a lot of low-income students. You know, school boards have come and gone, and these problems persisted. Vanessa and Guy, thank you so much for breaking this down for us. I appreciate you both. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That was KQED education reporter Vanessa Roncano and Guy Marzarotti, politics and government reporter for KQED. San Francisco voters should have received a ballot in the mail by now. The last day to vote is February 15. If any one of the commissioners are in fact recalled, Mayor London Breed will name their replacement. This is the first of two episodes on the recall election for us here on The Bay this week. On Wednesday, we're going to talk about the role of Chinese and Chinese-American voters in San Francisco. This episode of The Bay was produced and cut by editor Alan Montecilio. I scored this episode and added the tape. You can find us on Twitter at The Bay KQED or send us an email at thebay at kqed.org. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randal Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. 
Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.